Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's cast, multiple interviews, chapter one, part two. Here we go. So, Mark, last week we established that, one, interviewing is the most important activity of effective managers, right? Yeah, I wonder if anybody ever thinks that we've been doing this for five years now and we've ever missed and said something else was more important or was most, right? I can't imagine. We've known this for a long, long long time. time. So, uh, we may have said this is the most effective tool, this is our favorite tool, but in terms of managerial behavior... I don't think we've, yeah, we've not, ever we, made this. Hey, look, not strayed. Right? If we have, somebody pointed out to us, and uh, we'll say we're sorry because if we said it, we were absolutely wrong. wrong. Interviewing yeah. is it, folks. The quality of people is the most valuable organizational discriminator there is, and the quality of people is based upon raw material, what you interview, right. what you bring in, plus development. And this this series here is about giving you the best possible raw material you can. And we, we already talked about last time the idea of, well, I'll just get mediocre raw material and then I'll develop them into great right. people is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah. So, let's do a lot of training, but let, you know, let's train our people. Let's do Let's do everything we possibly can to train them, but let's put them in a hundred yard dash and we'll start them off with a 10 pound weight attached to their legs. Right. Yeah. If you're not recruiting the best possible talent you can, and anyone can do it, even if you don't think your workplace is terribly attractive. Anyone can do it. Um, if you're not attracting good, high-quality talent, all the development in the world won't help you compare favorably to the best companies in the world, which do both well, right? They interview great, pe- they interview and set the bar higher, and they hire great people, and then they develop the stuffing out of them. Right. So today's cast, folks, it might surprise you. It's going to be it's probably shorter than most of our casts because today we're going to talk about one bullet point and one bullet point only. And that's Horseman's Risk Assessment. Because this, folks have got to get this. Not understanding this is what gets managers yeah. in trouble, right? It's yeah. a whole warm body thing. So so tell us, where did this come from? Where did okay. the risk assessment come from? So first of all, it, it actually comes out of a conversation I had years ago with somebody about the two sides of interviewing. The first side, when I was explaining it, and, and the reason it's done in a two-by-two matrix is because when I did this, I was actually at a cocktail party, uh, at a bar, actually. Um, well, you do your best work, client, of course, yeah. your high eyes, yeah, of course. A, a, a client day, and we were talking about developing some systems for interviewing. And I, I said, look, the first thing you got to know is Horstman's wager about interviewing. You've got to get in the mind of interviewing candidates, right? And, and for those of you, some of you may remember a cast we did a while ago called Horstman's Wager. It basically addresses the value of interviewing preparation. And it also addresses the dangers of playing the interviewing game by trying to be somebody you're not. And the, and the issue is, the two-by-two two matrix is, one of the questions is hire or don't get hired. And the other question is, be yourself or try to be who you think they want to be. And unfortunately, what happens is people think, I'll try to be who I think they want me to be. And that's great if you get hired, unless who they want you to be is not who you are. And you end up getting hired. You get the job. You get your result that you want. But in fact, it turns out poorly. You end up having to leave within a year or two. What's worse, imagine that you play the game. You try to show them that you are who they want you to be. And then you don't get hired. The scary thing about that is 
heaven forbid, if you had been yourself, you would have gotten hired, right? Right. So that's Horstman's wager. Then there's, on the other side of the equation, there's a risk assessment, okay? Because the first one was from the perspective of the person interviewing for the job. The candidate. candidate. Right. And Horstman's risk assessment is from the perspective of the interviewee. Yeah. The candidate is making a wager. I'm sorry, interviewer. Interviewer, exactly right. Horstman's wager is the wager you're making about whether or not you should be yourself or whether you should try to get an offer by being as clever as you possibly can be. And what the the matrix shows, the two-by-two matrix shows is, there are negatives either side of the coin. If you define too narrowly your success as getting an offer, you forget that getting an offer for a job that you're not right for can be a really bad outcome. Whereas being yourself and not getting an offer means, okay, then it wasn't a fit or they don't know how to interview. Right. This is this is similar to what, Pascal's wager is what it was? Yeah, exactly. Pascal's wager. Do, I believe, yeah. <laughs> Do I believe in God or not? And should I live a godly life or not? Right? Now, there's a similar wager, although we call it Horseman's Risk Assessment, on the other side of the equation, on the interviewer side. And, and again, it's a simple two-by-two two matrix. And in the same way, the, the decision is hire or don't get don't hire, right? Make the decision to offer or not offer. And then the question is, is the person a bad fit or a good fit? Okay? So to keep in parallel with Horseman's Wager, we're going to put hire and don't hire on the left axis of the two by two matrix. Okay. Higher is going to be um, row one and don't hire is going to be row two. Okay. The two columns are bad fit and good fit. And in keeping with standard two by two matrix concepts, right? Bad fit is on the left, the left column and good fit is on the right column. So that means we've got four possible outcomes of the two choices, hire and don't hire, and whether we're hiring a good fit or a bad fit. And some of the, cho- some of the outcomes are good and some, some of them are, bad. are not good, right? <laughs> and, and in fact, if, if you know anything about two-by-two two matrix theory, there's basically a, a principle which says if, in fact, you have a chance to achieve total nirvana, you should achieve, try to achieve that at all costs. Um, we're actually going to take a little bit different approach because hiring the wrong person is a really, really bad thing. And even if you believe you hire a good fit person, they may not turn out to be as good a fit as you yeah. think, right? Because hiring a person and em- employing them are two different things. Yeah. But It's not that nirvana is, is, is heaven. It's that the bad outcome here is absolute hell. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, in fact, yeah, hiring a good fit I, I, we, in, in, in the show notes, right, for those people who are premium content, they'll see the, the two-by-two matrix and they think nirvana. Really, probably nirvana is too strong a word, right? right. It's, it's success, but it's not nirvana. That's why I call this a risk assessment. We're, yeah. We're, it, trying to, we're trying to reduce risk. That's that, all we're that's trying to exactly do exactly And that's what, what interviewing is. Interviewing is about eliminating risk, okay? The goal of good interviewers is to eliminate false positives, okay? It is not to maximize correct positives. It is to eliminate false positives. That's our first cast on the subject was raise the bar high, right? And this is a big shift for a lot of managers. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about each of the four quadrants of the two-by-two matrix and talk about how managers think about this, okay? In the top right corner, we've got hire on the top row and good fit in the right column. And so that means that's a, a hiring a good fit person. And we have it listed as Nirvana as a way to just be funny. But really what that is is success, hiring the right good person. Hiring, yep. Nothing wrong with that, okay? Also in the top row, but now in the left column, is hiring a bad fit. Now, we'll talk more about the warm body idea in just a minute. But hiring a bad fit is such a poor choice 
We, we recommend you engage in any efforts, any amount of work in order to avoid it. There is no amount of risk worth a bad hire that can justify going out. There's no amount of benefit you can get from hiring a good hire that justifies risking a bad hire. Yeah. And, okay. for, folks, and for those of you who don't have premium content, the box says warm body question mark, no in caps with an exclamation yeah. point. And, and yeah. underneath it says infinite death and destruction. Yeah, it is hell for all eternity. And look, those of you who have done it know, right? You know what it's like to hire the wrong person, okay? And this cast is all about conducting multiple interviews, but it's within the context of how does a manager become a highly effective hiring manager? And you've got to conduct multiple interviews, but you've got to understand this concept. The reason we're going to say a lot of things we're going to say in this series of shows that will come out over weeks and months and probably years is that you've got to get this point that if you make a bad hire, you will pay for it so much, there's no amount of benefit you'll get from your next good hire that will make up for that bad hire. Having the wrong person internally, it may take, let's say, 10 hours to decide, I'm going to hire this person. But the moment they're hired, in the first day, they give you 10 hours worth of probably hell. In the first month, in the first year, they'll give you 100 hours of hell. And there's no amount of wishing that you had hired a good person that will make up for it. Say, well, I just made a poor choice that will make up for for those managers who know it, you, you who have done it, you know what we mean. Every effort should be taken to eliminate the false positive. How, how serious are we about that? Manager Tools believes that it is far better to say no to a good fit, right? It, it is absolutely reasonable to say no to somebody, even though they would, be, would have been a good hire, simply to avoid any doubt you might have that they would have been a false positive, right? right? If you're absolutely convinced that they're not a false positive, yeah. you would say no. Let me, let me say it a little bit differently. The goal in interviewing is not to get to success. It is at all costs to build processes that avoid failure. And if you do everything in your power and you look in the mirror and you say, I've avoided failure at all costs, then you might, in fact, have success. But if you start seeking success, if you reach for the grapes. If you if you reach for the brass ring, you're gonna get uh, you, you're gonna get shaky. You're gonna get uncomfortable, and you're gonna make a mistake. And when you make the mistake, you're gonna pay for it over and over and over again. Okay. And because of Horseman's Christmas rule, right? You're gonna forget some of those the, those mistakes, or forget some of those things that you did poorly, and you're gonna probably do them again the next time. So there are really two choices in this two by two matrix. One is the higher, not higher, right? That's the difference between row one and row two. But the other choice, people don't realize this, is the quality choice, right? You have to make a distinction between a good fit and a bad fit, which is essentially a choice. But most managers don't see their problem this way. What they see is we have an opening. And the only way you can solve that opening is to hire somebody, right? right. So basically what managers say is I want to hire. I have to decide between a good fit and a bad fit. Okay. And look, to tell you the truth, companies make this easier to make this poor choice because companies tell us all the time, it's hard, e even though you may have a need, you can't get an open requisition, right? You well, can't get a requisition look, to open up it, the high. And when you get one, you, you want to fill, fill it, it because right? It's I, perishable. I, I, I've done it to my folks too, right? You, you, don't fill, you don't fill it up over a period of time. Say, well, it's been three months, you haven't filled it, so obviously you don't need it. And yeah, I go and give it to somebody else. 
Yeah. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we literally, yeah, so so there's a case where the corporate systems actually kind of work against us, right? Okay. But look, filling the opening is what's driving us. And, and effective managers essentially know that all effective hiring decisions are really quality decisions and not hiring decisions, okay? And the danger here is this. Managers say, I got to hire somebody, so I need to make a decision about good versus bad. But I'd be willing to bet that 90% of the managers who are listening right now don't have a replicable, uh, repeatable, to use a different word, a repeatable, measurable way to judge whether or not somebody's a good fit or a bad fit. So here's what happens. You can almost take out that center call, the line between bad fit and good fit. And if you're motivated to hire, it's essentially a crapshoot about whether or not the person turns out to be good or not. And if you're only going to do one interview, you're going to spend an hour with the person and then essentially bet that they're going to stay with the company for the next five years. That's a really bad risk mitigation factor. And frankly, even if you don't think about risk, it's a really bad investment to make in the potential hire of a good hire, right? The potential of hiring a good person. So so managers are thinking hiring, so they're not really thinking about not hiring. They want to fill the position, but then when they look at the choice between bad fit and good fit, they don't have a way of choosing. And so the risk, when a man, when the average manager goes in to hire somebody, the risk of bad fit is it's not minimal. It's not even notable. It's significant. It's 40%. Maybe it's even 50%. Now, it's not flip a coin kind of thing. But if you don't have a clear way of judging, evaluating whether or not somebody's right, and you really want to hire, you're literally putting gun to your head and hoping that, in fact, you get lucky. And that's a bit like getting lucky between the hammer falling on an empty chamber or the, the hammer falling on a bullet. I mean, if you hire the wrong person, what, what do we call it? infinite death and destruction. The, the risk of a false positive for the average manager who is motivated to hire has a perishable open wreck and doesn't know how to distinguish by making the bar really, really high, doesn't know how to distinguish between good fit and bad fit is appreciable. It's just significant. And, and yet that essentially tells us we've got completely wrong thinking uh, we must do everything to shrink the false positive to something that's virtually impossible, okay? The matrix tells us basically avoid at all costs the false positive. You've got to avoid hiring the wrong person. You know, to put it in, in, a, in a silly way, hiring the wrong person is a path to the dark side. In fact, I would argue that there are so many bad hires that are made. Managers who complain to us about, about putting out fires and constantly dealing with difficult people, they don't realize that they essentially started it by making the wrong hiring choice. But the symptoms don't show up as a hiring failure. They show up as a managerial failure. Because hiring failure, the moment the person's hired, they're now a management problem rather than a Hiring problem, right. if you will, right? Right. So the symptoms don't tell us we need to get better at hiring. In fact, there are many managers who are busy thinking, I need to get better at managing. And that's part of the reason why manager tools exist, of course. But in fact, they could probably have solved a lot of their management problems by getting upstream and hiring the right people to begin with, literally eliminating the chance of that false price. Right. Well, look, we didn't go through the entire matrix, but just think about it. You got a couple options, right? So you, so the real death and destruction, right? Infinite <laughs> death and destruction, yeah. according to you, is if you hire a bad fit. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm trying, I'm trying to make it absolutely clear to people. Do everything you possibly can to avoid it. Let me, let me make it simple. Folks, if you have a shred, a modicum, a, a sliver, a, a tingle, an instance, a, a thought, an 
a moment where you have doubt about somebody, do not hire them, no matter what. The danger of that bad hire is so huge, so huge, that there's no amount of benefit you can get on the lucky chance that they may turn out good. Right. If you don't hire them and they're a bad fit, well, that's a good decision. That's right? a good decision. It's that's a good decision. That's good. So well, what's funny is, though, if you're motivated to hire, though, think about it. Remember I told you yeah. managers are living up in the hire thing. If they choose not to hire, you know what most managers do? Dang. They literally say dang or darn it or shoot. Because the person didn't, didn't work out. Because it didn't work out. Yeah, when in fact, they just made a good decision. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 yeah they so regret they, the good decision. They regret a good decision. Okay, that makes so sense. The next time they interview somebody, if they do five interviews in a row with five people and they say no to the first and they say no to the first four, every single one of those regrets adds up to an increasing likelihood that the fifth person is going to be easier to get hired. When in fact, the bar ought not to change whether the, the mm. first person or the 20th person. Now, I know there are managers out there going, my God, he's never going to let me hire anybody. And there's a part of me that says, yes, I want to fall my sword about this, guys. No matter what, don't hire somebody. I don't care how many people you said no to. Keep saying no. Keep saying no. And by the way, there's a good plus to this. We, You and I have talked about this before. When you interview people and one of your people say, I'm just not sure. Right, and, and we're assuming here that one of your folks that's interviewed them is a good and ethical person. They're not just right. throwing everybody under the bus because they don't want somebody better than them on the team, but they really have the best interest of your team and the organization at heart. If your people are saying no, and you, you listen, look, listen to them, and you say, well, I hear your point, and so we're not going to hire them. You do that a few times, and you send a message to your team that the bar to get in here is really high, they will love you to death. And the first time you ever lower your bar because you need a warm body, you've essentially said, this person is as good as any one of you. Right? And, right. and essentially deflates them, right? And yeah. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting, but this no, is, that's okay. this is the, a big, the, big issue. The, so let's look on the other side, right, for the good fit, right? So if you don't hire a good fit, now a lot of managers go like, that, that's what keeps them awake. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. We let one get away. Oh, my God. Get, oh, my God. What was the opportunity cost of letting somebody get away? But the fact is. There are other people out there. There's oh, never just, there's, there's never just one, right? right? So, but, but here's the thing. Most managers think there only is just one because their external network is so weak. They don't have a strong mm-hmm. bench. They're yeah. only looking at HR. HR says, I looked at 100 resumes or I looked at 500 resumes and these are the only 10 that are even close. And so the manager interviews those 10 and they've defined the, the outside world, the potential possible hires as 100 or 500 mm-hmm. that got screened down to 10. And they've just literally, it's as if those 10 interviews represent 7 billion human souls, right? And, and that comes from managers who haven't developed their external network, who don't know how to build their bench. And so they're literally like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? And, and, and what's funny is HR, you go back to HR, HR often doesn't know this. You go back to HR and said, I need some more people. They said, that's it. That's- we sent you five. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you, right? Which we'll talk more about. We don't necessarily agree with the whole HR uh, screening thing. So yeah, that false negative so scares managers that they they start thinking, well, you know, I don't want to avoid anybody. So if it's close, maybe maybe because the manager secretly knows, I'm not sure whether I'm good at telling good from bad. So therefore, if it's close, maybe I just better assume I might be wrong right. and in fact good. And so I'll hire them. And then it happens one time. I would argue that um, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. I wouldn't wish any manager ever hire the wrong person because every manager I know that's ever hired the wrong person has said the same thing. Please, Mark, dear gosh, tell everybody, don't, don't ever do that. Do that. Yeah. I don't care how many good people you have to pass up. I don't care how much you get the sense, uh, the reputation out there that you're not going to do, that, that you're turning the way, wrong, the, way, the way the wrong people. And HR says, I've met a lot of great people. There should be plenty. No problem. Other people are hiring. No, 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 no. Whatever else. 
Don't turn over every night wondering, have you hired the right person or not? The only person you want to hire is the person who you go. You look at you look at them and you go, that person's right. No questions. No, Nobody's going to ever question that I made the right hire. There. Right. So that particular quadrant, don't hire good fit. Managers tend to overstate yeah. the, the negatives associated with that. It's kind yeah. of a darn, but it's not this big thing. Yeah. Um, I would even argue managers say darn. I would even say managers – when you don't hire somebody, whether look, first of all, you don't ever really know whether or not they're going to be a good fit. Anytime you say no to somebody, pat yourself on the back for keeping the bar high. Yeah. Okay. I've never met a manager who will set the bar too high. Never. I've never met him. And, and no, she may be out there, but I've never met her. Right. Okay. So there's nothing on the don't hire line that's going to get you, that's going to kill you, right? One, you don't hire a bad fit. It's good. You don't hire a good fit. Uh Okay, there's there, there's more, right? Right. But on the hiring side, yeah, if you hire a good fit, yeah, it's great. But that's what we want. Right. But again, to your point, not want to be a dead horse. But hiring a bad fit is so flipping bad that we want to avoid that at all costs. Which yeah. is the whole point of this cast. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Look, false positives must be avoided at all costs. Seeking a true positive, a good fit that's going to be a hire, is is such a dangerous siren call for managers when we don't have good ability to discern the difference between a good fit and a bad fit. And because I would be willing to bet that out of any hundred managers, only one, only one. Now, look, there are some managers who are good at talking to other people about performance. There are some managers who are good at developing relationships. There are some managers who are good at managing projects. In fact, you know, probably 25, 30, 40 percent of the managers I talk to can probably manage a project of some some sizable size and, and do fine. One manager out of every hundred, in my experience, knows how to discern good fits from bad fits. Mm. If you're not that one and you don't know that if I'm not your very, very good friend, you're not that one. And if you're not that one, you're essentially rolling the dice every time you make a hiring decision. So we encourage you to listen carefully to these casts and get better at hiring. And the great thing is being better at hiring will make you a better manager. Not, not because you change your behavior as a manager in terms of the day-to-day management of people who are already employed, but because you'll have a lot less problems to deal with. <laughs> and they'll cover your weaknesses. To, yeah, exactly. Right? If <laughs> you have smart. good people working for you, gosh, it's, it is. It's a form, over the long haul, it, it becomes a form of nirvana if all you do is hire people who are going to be a good fit. So the key, folks, is we've got to learn how to spot quality, and we always have to say no unless the evidence in the positive is overwhelming, and there is no evidence in the negative. And and this cast, the rest of this cast is going to be about some steps you've got to take to increase the chances that you'll say no if there's any doubt and increase the chances that you'll have lots of data to like somebody. And that means interviewing somebody more than once, more than twice, but actually three times. And even more than that, if you want to, we're never going to shy away from telling you, if you have a doubt, do some more interviewing. Awesome. And we'll do that next week. Thanks, partner. All right, my friend. Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. See ya.